welcome. Welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity Maine, a program of Agape Inc., and made possible by Coffee by Design Rebel Blend Fund. This is a different kind of podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my effort to demonstrate the examples of what I call compassionate conversation. Through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. Thank you, Sebastian. This is a little awkward since you're my son to have this conversation, so thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Um, the goal here is I, I really wanted to chat with you about being a 23-year-old uh, in this culture at this time. When you hear that, what what, what comes to your mind? Um, well, I think, you know, obviously we're in a very uh, strange time, and uh, I think my generation just has... I've always thought we have problems as far as um, just, you know, focusing and uh, so many distractions around these days. And I don't think, uh, you know, being forced to stay at home and uh, sit with those distractions has really helped it. Mm. Um, We're sort of talking about the, the impact of the virus. Uh, yeah. And, and also there's something about uh, this word focus. Mm. Uh, that's sort of a bigger picture. Can you say any more about that? Yeah, I think of focus. I mean, I just know a lot of my kind of life later into my 20s has become kind of this push against just all the clutter and kind of static that I think comes with being younger in this day and age, whether it's like social media, you know, just YouTube videos and endless amounts of things to do. I think of the lack of boredom as a huge part of kind of just growing up as a young adult in this day and age and something I've always tried to push against, usually unsuccessfully. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very interesting, you're talking about you're getting so many different inputs, Mm. you know, from social media, from YouTube, just lots of them that almost in a way it distracts you. Oh, yeah. From where am I going and what am I doing? Yeah, and there's, I think there's this kind of, I, I firmly believe that these distractions that we have uh, around us and this um, kind of many avenues of instant gratification um, just rewire our brain in this way that's where it's, you know, for example, you know, if I leave my computer somewhere or I don't have a phone, it feels very uh, strange, you know, and I feel like very lost almost, and I hate that. Mm. There's been a couple instances where I've done that, and it's just, I've been shocked at how much my mind is like craving this kind of, oh, what are what are people doing, you know, like, oh, I can't watch like a movie right now, you know? It's the everything now mm. concept. I, I love what you said, the instant gratification. It's like it's got to be there now. Otherwise, there's an anxiety that starts to come. And, and between the two of them, it's very uh, defocusing almost. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a big, the reason I bring all that up uh, is because I think it's, it's, a, it's an issue that is very 
um, relative to just our generation. It's something that doesn't really click as much with maybe your generation because you guys didn't grow up with it. Mm. So it's something that we are kind of forced to work out on our own. You know, it's very easy for maybe easier for someone who's older to be, oh, why don't you just read a book or why don't you just, you know, go outside, mm. you know, mm. like we did when we were kids and there wasn't so much of that, but and we had to like dial up internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then now it's, you know, we've gotten so accustomed to this and all your friends are just like, no one reads anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can feel, you can feel the, this instant gratification, the anxiety of not being in touch, the endless information just creates a level of anxiety. And what are you noticing people are doing with that anxiety? besides being attached to social media? I don't know. I, I definitely think sometimes it can just go off in different ways. I mean, I can only really speak for myself. I know I this whole when this whole pandemic started, I, I am someone who enjoys vacations. Mm. And uh, so it was kind of a, a welcome thing mm. when it started. You know, it didn't really change my life too much, mm. you know, staying at home, watching movies. You know, but too much of that time, you know, it just turns into, I think it can bring out some of your worst things for me, you know, definitely addiction and um, just overall just kind of laziness, I think. And a lot of inspiration is lost, Mm. I think, too. There's a lot of things, whether it's just you're going out for a nice walk or, you know, you're playing outside or you're reading or something, then those things gather a lot more inspiration and I think create or diffuse a lot of that anxiety and I uh, so so I, so walking and and reading and doing those kinds of things really allow your brain to kind of be inspired and be moving forward have that focus that you're talking about at the same time you know when you sort of feel yourself kind of getting st- stuck in this uh, dependency almost on social media. And you talked about addiction, just this kind of level of uh, dependency of no inspiration. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, issues that are sort of lying on your generation. You know, the environmental issues, the politics, the poverty, the, mm, the distribution of wealth yeah. know, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, how does that all sort of land on you as a 23-year-old young man? I think there's a lot of, there's definitely kind of a, a big click for, like, we've got a, this is in our hands now. Mm. Um, mm. It's up to us. I, I think it's, I think there's that side of it. And then there's also that kind of, there's this apathy that mm. comes with uh, our generation that, that you know it's we can kind of mask it with mm. all these distractions you know it's like mm. maybe in the old days it was it was more like you know you just had the paper and that was headlines and you know not saying maybe that was you know a lot more credible but you know we've got there's so many opinions around there's so much um you have to filter a lot more for the news you read and the internet is getting smarter and smarter, so it you know filters things for you. Um, it'll leave out certain political views um, that maybe Google thinks you wouldn't like or something. So you know, there's a lot of like unknown stuff going on. I think 
people are a lot more, I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I grew up in the time I grew up in and, uh, but there's a lot of sheep, I think. And I mean, I can take blame for that too. As you describe it, you can, you can feel all this stuff kind of lying on top of you. And then these distractions that you're talking about that don't inspire you. It's, it, it feels as you're talking like you're overwhelmed by it all the, and Black Lives Matter and distribution of wealth and poverty and yeah. environmental change. And, yeah. I mean, there's very clear, you know, issues, um, which I feel grateful, at least for my political standpoint, growing up in a town with ideals that I feel are the right thing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. Sort of progressive but, in nature. and yeah. Um, I I do think there's still a lot more discourse we could do, though. Try to have, try to keep both sides in mind and a lot of people's culture, too. I think that's, I mean, I think maybe it's always been like this, but just having sympathy for where people grew up in and, like, the environment they grew up in, you know, it's, I think the role models you have in life are huge factors. So, you know, if someone grew up in a small town in Texas, it's, you know, typical that they might have a a different, you know, political standpoint than someone who grew up in, you know, Portland, Maine, for example. And just recognizing that. And there's a lot of, yeah, I think part of like the internet kind of mm. uh, discussion mm. is that, you know, is that people, you know, they get, they get angry just for having different, positions and stuff Mm -hmm. and there's that kind of disconnect of like well why do they feel like this isn't it you know Mm -hmm. doesn't it seem so wrong Mm you know and uh the internet is is great in the way that it it allows people to have these discussions from you know you can talk to someone you know in new mexico if you're in boston you know but at the same time you don't really get that kind of like culture that they grew up in, you know, you don't really get that. You just see the kind of, like, they think this. You feel that discord all the time between different political views and almost like people don't move because they're always in this instant gratification. There's not there's not something greater, which is connection. It's just opinions. Yeah, I definitely think it ties into um, a lot of the apathy. Apathy is like a word that I just find comes out of this when there's this overstimulation this over you know processing of tons of different information it just at least for me it just turns into this kind of like maybe nothing none of it really matters you know Mm. and Mm. that's not healthy you know you want to have clear views and you want to you know because it's it is going to be in our hands pretty soon this this country it is in your hands yeah you know and one of the things that inspired me to do this conversation with you is, uh, you know, some of the political leaders are very old and they're starting to say things like, we've got to turn this over to young people. And then you can feel this apathy. Uh, and there's also this discord of people being on the streets and screaming that Black Lives Matter or the Me Too movement or environmental change. I mean, these are very, very critical aspects of our discord in our country and 
how do what do we do with that? Because there's such a powerful apathy and anger, and neither one of them seems like it's gonna take us in the next step. Yeah, I think I think we as a generation just have a responsibility to just kind of fight against that uh, hand we've been dealt with all the you know fun stuff and interesting stuff there is around us because you know it's if you can take a step back I think that's partly why um, the pandemic has been good is because a lot of this meaningless you know that movie watching or you know laying around not really knowing what to do is kind of good because it just gets it gets old and so it makes you kind of step back and focus on how do I feel better personally? How do I feel more present in the world? And and then actually have some opinions. I mm. think I think it's um, the apathy is just something you just gotta fight against. There's something that I know about you since I'm your father, and that <laughs> is that you're great gift has been your empathy for others it's uh, it's showed up in many different little places from you know baseball teams to high school to even having cadre of uh, friends in college and so on how do you use that that gift that you have to to do something about this discord or do you find that apathy is just grabbing a hold of you um i think it was for a little bit i think uh you know it's uh it's a it's tricky one empathy because you want to always you know be there for the people you love and uh um you know at the same time you kind of want to help uh your friends and uh, family like not make the same mistakes you did or just you know I think I think everyone wants to try and maybe not everyone wants to be a role model but you know you just there there's this fine line of of making people happy in your life and trying to do what's right for you yeah mm-hmm. um, and maybe those are I mean they're definitely connected Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I there's a there's a um, a differentiation uh, you know pulling apart like what is me and what is them and trying to get this interdependency um, as you sort of move in your own sort of growth your own sort of developmental process yeah and at the same time um, there's this incredible cultural discord that's going on and it feels like it's overwhelming in some sense hmm. uh yeah yeah i i think i i kind of i do block out a lot of the the big cultural things i think um I do just, I think I'm noticing like 
the kind of themes of what our generation is going through. I only, I think what's very helpful during uh, this time, I mean, if you're doing it in a safe way, is having a core member of people in your life and really trying to focus on that. Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, everyone's different. A lot of people like to go for the masses, you mm -hmm. know, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but for me, I find empathy most effective if you, if you just have a few people, mm. like I'm in a band and if we're just, everything is, we're on the same page, everyone's happy, then, you know, it's kind of, we can progress and it's kind of, and then it turns from, you know, one person to, you know, four or five people with the same kind of mindset, you're, helping you're, each other through. Yeah, you're talking about uh, this issue of, uh, you know, having a small pack, a small group of people, uh, a compassionate group of people, and that group of people, if it does it well, can impact the world, whether it's through music. In your case, we're, you're part of a band and you want them to, you know, work together as a, as a small group. So you're, you're seeing it as, you know, keep it small, make, create a pack of people and then have them go and impact the world together because you'll always have the support. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that, you know, what they the grassroots mm. kind of, you know, and like a domino effect, you know, mm. I find it much more comforting and manageable to, if it's like, okay, you know, whether it's, you know, like at your job or something, if you're a manager or something and you've, mm -hmm. you've got these minds to mold, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you know, trying to create that sense of unity in a smaller group, it's, it's a lot easier than mm -hmm. if you were to just go out, you know, to a, a stage or a podium and, and be like, you know, this is what we should do guys to, you know, a thousand people, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, I, at least I find that more manageable. Mm. You know, I'm sure there's good motivational speakers who probably <laughs> say it differently. Uh, well, I, I'm also wanting to kind of move the conversation just a little bit because uh, I'm not sure that you've thought about it or, you know, but I'm curious about what it's also like to be a young man in the culture at the time, mm. at this time. Um there's a lot of, you know, sort of being white, being a young man, you know, there's a lot of sort of energy coming that you're part of the problem. Yeah, I definitely think it's true um, for a lot of it. I, um, I personally find it just most interesting to to listen really all these protests that have been happening are just extremely eye-opening and um i'm very happy that they happen not for i think just really forced pretty much everyone to start reading about all these issues if they hadn't already been reading before um to have such 
publicity around um, kind of the flaws of my demographic and gender um, has been really good. I think a necessary step uh, in America. And so I've loved listening and, and standing, standing up for, um, those minorities when, um, necessary or, um, but yeah, the, the learning and the, and the listening, I think just taking more of a backseat role is, as a white man is just, has been a good step, I think. And just to, to take a backseat seat role with a, with the process of listening is what you said, you know, yeah. so listening and learning, what is people's perception of the world? You know, instead of assuming what the perception is. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time, you know, sort of working on music as a way to speak. Uh, and you do it with other young men, mostly uh, in terms of your career, if you will, uh, as a musician. Um, what What's it like in that small group around this issue of being a white man? In the uh, music group? Yeah, in the music group, in the in the groups that you've been in, and the. Oh, we're a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're a mess. <laughs> Can you say more? Um, I I really think it's um, that was just circumstance. I um, I have played with uh, is it two. Yeah, well, one of my main bands had female singers. And that was great. I don't, uh, I think there was kind of, more I think about it, there was a dynamic shift. Um, and maybe this was because it was, you know, back in the old days of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a, a different, I, I'd like to see more, I mean, I love listening to female artists, female bands, um, and I really don't think it makes, it doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, there's, there's no question of equality when it comes to music. It's, and, but I do think there was a, a bit of a dynamic shift. I think there's a subconscious thing when you're all guys that it's something you don't have to think about especially when you're all white guys mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like that's not a thing you really think it, at least in the own dynamic because you're all the same you know right i mean of course we have different mm -hmm. you know um heritages and stuff but you know it's it, in a way you're speaking to that it helps a small group to to have that diversity i think so yeah. you know the, you start thinking differently you start relating differently and whether it's women in the room or uh, a black man in the room or some just different diversities different cultures that are more evident and more apparent then somehow there's a different thinking 
um, at the same time, you want to sort of relax to pro- to create music. Yeah, no, and I don't think it would be any less uh, relaxed. Um, I think there's just some, uh, maybe some subconscious thing. I think the only reason I say subconscious is because there's no real, there's no need to talk about it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, I, I just honestly, I don't know. I, it's, it was all, like I said, circumstance, how my current band has gotten together and it just turns out that we're all white males and, you know, it's something we just, at least for me, I haven't really thought about like the hypothetical of like, what if, you know, we had a girl in the band? What if we had a person of color? You know, it's, um, so yeah, it's, it's assumed, uh, thing, but Mm, mm. I, I think, you know, diversity always creates, uh, an air of (laughs) diversity. I don't know, which is well, and difference, right, and different perspectives, and uh, and so on. We go back uh, to a minute, uh, just this issue of environmental. There's a there's a lot of material now that says if we don't do something this generation, we really are going to hurt and destroy the planet on a very deep level. And I wonder, is, is that consciousness, what, what that does for you? What do you think about? Uh, for me, you know, it's, it's a very, there's a very clear standpoint of that we have to do our best for the environment. I think there's a lot of, um, we're lucky with, you know, people being a lot, having a lot more intelligence based around the issue of the environment, knowing these things that uh, our environment is in danger and solutions that we can do uh, regarding it. Um, At the same time, I think there is a lot of kind of overwash from previous generations where environmentalism wasn't as important, you know, when we were using styrofoam cups or you know, we're throwing things into the ocean, you know, kind of just as a trash can, mm. not really regarding what it might actually do to marine life. There's also this incredible need, I think, for young people to feel invincible. Or I don't know if it's a need, but it, it it's a kind of byproduct of being young, I think. Mm. Mm. And uh, whether it's with anything, but I think it kind of relates to our environment as well where we're kind of like oh you know it's our it's our earth i mean obviously everyone's different on this um there's lots of people working who are actually do see huge problems with the environment but i think there is also another big group where it's like we're fine you know like the the earth is indestructible we're indestructible you know, nothing can really happen. Um, so when you put that, you know, piece that you feel like you are 
indestructible. You're uh, able to live your life, and it's uh, you don't have to be afraid. Uh, you project that onto the earth, even though the earth has got time sensitive in terms of what's happening to it. Yeah, there's this kind of, I think when we're talking about just, you know, my generation mm. overarching all of these topics, there's this, this kind of, I don't know what it stems from, but it's this, you know, I don't, I don't believe that it's bad until it happens, right. you know, until there's, you know, avalanches, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> falling down in New York City or something, you know, it's, it's like. Unless it's a crisis, we're not really, really going to respond because we're really distracted by, and again, I think it takes us back to that earlier part of the conversation where you're talking about, we're distracted by all these other things, the social media, the connection, the, the anxiety of where's my phone and where's my computer. It's just, it's almost like a, a veil in a way that's stopping you from really addressing some very fundamental cultural things and you end up kind of being distracted. Yeah. And I think there's, with all that information and distraction, I think, um, you know, the difference being like if there was two news sources in like the 80s or something, I mean, there was more than that, but, you know, if there was just a few news sources rather than, the millions of opinions that you can find on the internet. Mm. You know, I think our minds growing up in this time just have this knack for picking out the nicest one <laughs> that makes you feel most warm and cozy, you know? Yeah, we don't want to feel the anxiety. So we find something that fits within our value structure and then we kind of hold that. And then when people have different value structures, we don't really even want to listen to that. You know, we don't want to try to connect, which was what you were talking about before. We can connect anywhere in the world, but when people have different ideas or different thoughts, we don't really want to connect with them because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Even when you when you think about like the pandemic, for example, you know, you know, young people are notorious for kind of being part of the a large part of the problem with our need to party and have fun and uh usually not have that be like a priority over what's actually good for the country or good for our friends or family. Um, That's that indestructible, you know, the, the, the part of you that kind of just says, exactly. you know, and there's a separation almost, as you said that, like, like we don't, we see ourselves, but we don't see the whole. We don't see the community as a whole. We don't see that. You know, when we party over here and we we feel like we're not going to get too sick or that there are 70-year-olds or 80-year-olds in our lives that are going to get impacted by that. And yeah. It's almost like a, I think you said apathy before, or it, it's almost like a insulation away from the power of these issues. It's all connected, too. It's this, you know, environment that we've created where we have so much instant gratification that causes like us to get bored more easily, which means we need more things, you know, to have fun. You know, we need to go out more. We need to, whatever it is, drink more, party more, all these things that our generation feels like we have to do. Uh, 
and in turn it just it's it disregards a lot of what's actually um safe and actually considerate of the people around us you know i i even think you know i see a big difference of in our own life me and you of you watching the news at night and me being very scared to look at the news you know because mm-hmm. there's that kind of wiring in my brain of like i don't want to deal with it i don't want to you know i want to mm-hmm. stay in this fantasy land of you know there's nothing going on even though i know there is and um there's a, there's really an interesting notion that um i i think scott peck talked about it but it was you know in the in the book book uh, road less traveled and he talked about this idea that the more information you have, the more anxious you get. The more anxious you get, the more disconnected you become. And in a lot of ways, you're sort of talking about that. Uh, I don't want to know um, because I'm just going to get anxious. Um, I don't want to feel responsible at this point in my life. And I don't know if I have it will, but I, I don't want to feel responsible. I want to sort of disconnect. Um and the anxiety causes a lot of that. And what's happening is your generation is suffering a lot more. Um, it's it's struggling more. It's young men are not getting scholarships to colleges more. Women are getting it's almost 75, 25. It's dropping significantly. Um, there's a higher suicide rate among young men uh, across this country. The overdose epidemic is hitting that 18 to 30-year-old group uh, in a very powerful way. So you can feel when you talk about, I don't want to, I don't want to step into this. I want to step away. I want to keep in my bubble. I think there's that, that's the kind of natural brain chemistry that has just come along, you know, in the mindset of a young adult in today's world. And I think that's where I mean, you always have choices in life. And, uh, you know, one of those big choices is to succumb to that Mm. or to fight against it. And I think the fighting against it part is crucial. Mm. Mm. I think you, I think that's kind of the big lesson we have to come out of it. We have to be more resilient against, you know, the world that we live in, the world that we've grown up used to being in. Um, it's almost like a protective coating yeah. that you're trying to do because it's coming at you and it's more severe. I mean, the distribution of wealth is much bigger where there's the 1% or 2% of the entire culture that owns most of the resources. I mean, owns 44% of all the resources. Mm. You know, and you've got all of these sort of powerful, powerful issues that are landing on you, like the opiate epidemic or the the issues of suicide. And and at the same time, you want to isolate yourself from it. You want to sort of step away from it because it just brings up this anxiety that's in your brain, that's in your thinking. And you're like just demonstrating today about finding music or finding ways to be in a small cadre that can isolate yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you've got to, I think finding that voice 
whether it be music or writing or public speaking or whatever it may be, finding that voice is, is crucial. I think, like you said, protective coding. Mm. There is that protective coding and yeah, you're just faced with a decision to either stay in that where we're comfortable, mm. you know, with our iPhones and our computers mm. and our, mm. you know, little world, which is, um, or you can try and break out of it. That's been the, to me, as the pandemic's gone on, that's been the best thing about the pandemic is it seemed like this big test. Mm. You know, we've already been living that kind of life of, you know, where it's, more fascinating to watch like a comedy, you know, on Netflix than to read, you know, Dostoevsky or something, you know, mm. <laughs> mm. Um, whereas people in the early 1900s didn't have that option, you know, it's, mm. um, so we were already with those options. Do you can feel the anxiety increasing and the need for protective coating and the substance use begins in the substance misuse and and the struggles the that go on for your culture and your generation at this time mm. yeah i yeah just to i kind of piggybacking on that and just is what i've just turned to just love about the pandemic as much as it's seen as a horrible thing which it you know, there's lots of downsides, uh, lots of things that are missing and people um, getting sick. And But this kind of fact that it's testing us, that it's kind of uh, exploiting all our kind of resources of uh, our, our fun resources, you know, where it's like things aren't, things that we were doing like these distractions they're not fun anymore because we're forced to do them you know mm -hmm. we can't go out we can't mm -hmm. you know go see a concert or mm -hmm. uh you know or like museums aren't open or restaurants mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know so we've been forced in this bubble mm -hmm. and now it's not as fun and i'm really grateful for that mm. for i think our generation needed that mm you know, just kind of be faced with this till it became boring. And so then we can kind of like, you know, once, if, well, once things emerge again, <laughs> I won't say if, that's kind of pessimistic, uh, you know, then it's going to be complete ecstasy, you mm. know? When it's like, wow, we can go see a concert or, you know? we can like walk in this part of town. We don't have to wear a mask or, you know, I really do think it's kind of going to reset a bit, um, of our generation's mind in that. It's very interesting because the, it could go either way, couldn't it? It could go like, we want to be more hedonistic. We want to do more of just making ourselves feel better. Mm. Um, or we could go towards, you know, a larger community, mm. you know, and get out of our, you know, small cadre of, of, of comfortable thought, mm. which is what you were talking about. Like, you, you know, having all these thoughts make it uncomfortable. Mm. All these powerful social media is just pushing at you in different ideas 
they start controlling because you just don't want to feel anxious. So it, it's a really interesting time. It could go either way. Yeah, that's always true, the case too, um, especially when you're talking with a large group of people like a generation. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's obvious there's going to be people who go, who, uh, you know, go too far and mm. um, take a less productive route and other mm. people who are more... Um, uh, grateful mm. uh, yeah and sort of begin to build a bigger community and yeah. sort of begin to address some of these issues um you said something earlier about um finding your voice mm. and you you were sort of um what i know about you is that you're trying to find your voice through music and through songwriting and in in a way to kind of uh say something mm. and what's what's that like for you i think it's just uh the thing i found easiest i uh <laughs> i think i think i don't think there should be any shame um for how you want to express yourself i i think it's a crucial part of being young and i think that is kind of the main quest in my eyes is finding your voice mm. and how you want to get your message or your feelings out there in the world. And, you know, I, I know from experience of just having around 11 different majors in my life and <laughs> nothing really working for me just because I was kind of ashamed that music was the the way, you know, I would have much rather, you know, I think when I was a bit younger to be like, oh, I wish I could suppress my way in astrophysics, <laughs> you know, earn a lot more money, mm. you know, wish mm. I could feel that way about, you know, planets. and. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's almost as if in living in this particular culture, a creativity like songwriting um, becomes almost a shame thing, like, you know, it'd be better if you were doing business administration or, you know, something else, psychology or something, but it was something that was legitimate. But mm. you, you really said something quite beautiful and like, find your way, mm. find your voice and follow that. Because that's what really matters. Um, and that's what's going to keep you solid if, uh, especially if you decide to pursue a creative pursuit. It's it's always going to be a challenging road um, if you're going to do that because it's that's something else that like the internet has brought around. There's so many artists, there's so many musicians, so many songs that are available at the click of a finger, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's easy to get overwhelmed by that. Like, oh, this song sounds like this, or you know, it wasn't mm. so straight and narrow as the old days mm. where it was like, let's play this music and mm. there might have been someone out there in mm. wherever, Singapore, who'd mm. written a similar song mm -hmm. to like the Beatles or something, but they didn't do anything about it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because it was hard. It, it took like money and mm -hmm. and now it's, you don't need 
there's no need for all that money. It's very easy to record things. It's very easy to get your, if you have a, do a painting, you know, you can upload it very quickly. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. internet, um, it's very easy and that's a great thing, mm -hmm. but it's also, it can definitely overwhelm artists. Uh, and that's where it's very important to have your own voice mm -hmm. because you don't, never in a creative pursuit, you want to, you know, fall into doing things for other people, mm. you know, doing things because you think other people might like it. You know, it's just like finding a job. Um, I think it was in maybe the Tick book, mm -hmm. I think, that I read. Tick Nahan. Yeah, yeah. Tick Nahan, uh, where he's, he was talking about, this really struck a chord with me, uh, was that he said, he was talking about like, people studying to be lawyers or something because they thought that was where the money was. Mm. They didn't actually like it. Mm. They just wanted to, people told them, you should be a lawyer, you should be a doctor. Mm. And then by the time they got out of medical school, all the jobs were dried up mm. because everyone thought they were supposed to be a lawyer or a doctor, mm. you know? And then actually, you know, underneath it, that person wanted to be, you know, an interior designer. Mm. But there's this incredible need not saying it's a lesser job or anything, but I'm just saying I think there's this. You're not following your heart. Yeah, you're, you're not following you're your heart. Fo you're following what people say, and that you know what is. How, how do you how do you find that whisper and not depend on other people? Hmm. How do you find that voice within yourself that says, you know, I want to be a songwriter. I want to I want to create music because that's a way to say my voice. Or I want to be an interior decorator and let that be my voice in terms of beautifying the environment. I mean, how do we find that voice when you're distracted by thousands and thousands of little bites of social media? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the most, to me, it's the most imperative trait one must have in growing up in my generation is the is the unashamed nature mm. of wanting to do what you love mm. because there's gonna be countless amounts of people no matter how confident you are in the direction you want to go there's gonna st always gonna be people who are saying are you sure you don't want to mm. try like something a little more sensible a little mm. more maybe gonna mm. give you a little more money mm. or something because at the end of the day it's it's working hard at what you do and if and if you know you want to work hard as a lawyer or something sure. but you don't really want to do it you know do it whatever i don't know i'm just speaking on my mm -hmm. behalf but that but i can't do you're talking about something internal you know something really important that's a voice within yourself like what do you want and how do you use that to find your voice to do something about the environment, to do something about the Me Too movement, to do something about Black Lives Matter, to do something about poverty. You know, just to kind of, uh, how, do you, how do you hear and then f find your voice with that? Because if you just follow money in a capitalist society, if you just follow you know, other people's wish for you. And I remember a particular story in your life where you um, were finishing up high school and you know, people are asking you over and over and over and over about, you know, where, where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? 
And there was a whole part of you that were like, I don't think I'm ready to go to college. Yeah, I think I was getting very annoyed by the... <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? Where are you going? I think I, yeah, I started out with a firm answer, and then by mm. the 23rd person, I was like, you know, maybe I'm just not going to go. Mm. You know, mm. So I don't have to answer these questions. Or I mm. can see the look on your face <laughs> if I tell you I'm not going to college. <laughs> mm. Right, and and you didn't really have much of a choice with that pressure. It felt like... What I, what I know is that you felt like... You, you, you know, you didn't really have much of a choice. You were expected to go, and that was it. And, you know, that wasn't really the voice that you were having. And I don't know if that voice wasn't really you weren't ready, or that voice was like, I'm just tired of people asking me. Hmm. But there's something in there that I love how you said it earlier, like I, I looked at 11 degrees or, I, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You were, you're kind of floating around. And I think underneath it, I think I did know what I wanted to do. Um, I just was scared. Mm. I was, mm. there was, uh, everyone's different. I know me personally, it's, there's this kind of like, it's part of that there's a need to please people and there's and there was a long time of thinking that okay i wasn't gonna please someone mm -hmm. or you know and the truth is you can't please everyone mm -hmm. and you have to please yourself really because mm -hmm. um, then you're gonna be a lot nicer to be around if you're <laughs> happy uh um but saying something before what were you well it's it's just that you had this pressure to go on as your generation. Just you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. Well, I think there's this kind of there's this candy wrapper again. There's this protectiveness, at least, um, you know, in the environment I grew up with. I think a lot of the Northeast can be mm -hmm. kind of like this. That there's this assumed mm -hmm. next step. You know. Mm -hmm. Gonna go to college, and then they put so much emphasis on amazing. You got in like this is this is gonna be the best years mm -hmm. of your life. You know, mm -hmm. everything is perfect now that you got into this school. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and you know it makes it kind of impossible to to not like love it. That's where it's like you gotta. That's one of the kind of mm -hmm. obstacles in finding your voice mm -hmm. is all these people around you saying like this is like trying to like implant in your brain like this is the you know best thing like this is what you're supposed to do and then you kind of start believing it after mm -hmm. so many people say it it's like oh maybe this is like gonna be the best use of my life and uh sometimes they are but uh you know it's it's really thinking about i think of my friend group in high school and i think only really one or two people really had like the guts or like the self-awareness to really be you know like hey i'm not going to go to college you know because i'm going to take a break i'm going to take a break either take a break or just you know i'm not going to go i just know it's not for me mm -hmm. and i think there is and then there is another half of that friend group that i think thought that it wasn't for them but they thought they had to go Mm. You know, and they succumb to me included. Mm. I, I had no idea why I was going to college, really, and that you know bit me in the butt in the end. 
<laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's all the more important, you know, to not waste your money, mm. you know. Mm. And finding your voice is it's just a shortcut to, like you said, just being able to express your feelings on all these issues that we're growing up with. So that's what a voice like unlocks. Mm. It's like, it starts with a love for something, whether it's writing or music or, you know, mm. law or politics. or, And then you have to, when you have that love, then you have the freedom to go down all these avenues and address mm. it. Mm. So. It's beautifully said. We probably need to end here. I just really love that, you know, what I, what I gathered up today, just listening to you and, I'm very thankful. You know, it was this part about, you know, what happens when you get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff thrown at you, mm. you know, and at the same time, how do you hear your voice? How do you hear the parts of you that matter mm. in the context of that? And do you just end up kind of relaxing into and not really, not even feeling this apathy? You know, and you can't hear the voice, and you also have the community that tells you this is what you got to do next. This is what you got to do next. And so, when it's all done, you don't even know what you want. Hmm. And all of these pressures are coming at you that just create more anxiety. And it's hard. And I love how you said, you know, just in some way, there's a whisper about finding your voice. For you, it's writing music and performing it. Thank you for today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening to today's conversation. I truly hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to Coffee by Design and their Rebel Fund for their support to help make this podcast possible. Thank you again for being here. Take care.